Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had. And I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design, still my favorite is the built structure and interiors and years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listened to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Jennifer Briggs. Now, Jennifer is the VP of Texas Society of Architects, so executive VP. And I had the pleasure of meeting Jennifer in Wyoming. And uh, we were at a conference, which was Texas Society of Architects conference last year, and was fascinated because she has a great business head. And she's dealing, trying to wrangle all these loose cats that are called architects. Um, And so we had these great conversations around business and culture, as well as these great conversations around architecture. So I invited her to come on the podcast to tell us about, A, what it's like trying to wrangle this herd of architectural cats, and then also about the culture that it leaves and what happens with that and what the Texas Society of Architects stands for does and creates in its amazing organization. Jennifer, welcome to Talk Design. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, that was the highlight of my trip uh, to our design conference was meeting you and uh, our chats on the tour bus trying to solve all the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to work out the architecture and we were trying to work out the rest of the problems. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I would later think, what was that? Did I say something crazy? And um, and I figured you probably did too. And it was fun. Uh, we both did. And I think the fun of it was, was that it, um, what, you know, well, architecture is like this most beautiful discipline and practice and creates the world we live in and the built structure. You know, I always sort of think, so you take this beautiful piece of land or maybe not so beautiful piece of land, but then you really destroy it by putting something on it. <laughs> so <Yeah>. you, <laughs> and so the the responsibilities really high to do something with meaning and purpose, and also that makes at least the occupant's world a better place. Um, with the, and certainly when you get into cities and stuff, you know where you destroy a big track of land and that, that land gets altered. And so we had this conversation, and then we had these conversations around the culture of how architects see the world and designers see the world versus how regular, when I say regular, that's probably not fair, how <laughs> other disciplines see the world and how different it is, and yeah. then how business culture brings these two things together. Um, so it was it was it was brilliant. It was really fun, really fun. I'm like you, it was a highlight for me because generally, you know, we're talking about gables and roof ends and um, <laughs> snow loads, <laughs> wind loads, and um, flora and fauna, and where the bird song is, and you know, like <laughs> yeah, we got we got on some topics. That's for sure. <laughs> So yeah, let's um let's let's kick this off. Maybe could you give us a bit of background on you? Um tell us where you came from, what happened, and how you ended up in this spot with all these architects. Oh yes. Let me try to <laughs> try to let me digress. <laughs> let me try to give the short version. Um now, I am an association professional. So, my whole career has been working in nonprofit associations that serve professions. Um, so, that includes, you know, insurance profession. It includes, I've worked with um, marriage and family therapists. I've worked with. Oh, that's um, for architecture. Oh. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, athletic trainers and occupational therapists and all these people um, doing all the things associations do, like uh, magazines and communicating about the profession and helping, uh, you know, create legislation and, and working with legislatures to uh, make changes to, yeah. to laws that affect the profession. And, and most of these professions have been licensed. So, that's something each state you have to be licensed in your state to practice whatever profession. And then for many, many years, I worked with the accounting profession. So CPAs. Mm. And so most of my experience, aside from the marriage and family therapist has been business, business people and business related for the bulk of my career. And I loved it. Um, and I wanted to keep doing association management, but due to, uh, 
pandemic times, I would say I'm one of those people that finally had a minute to catch my breath and stop traveling as much and think about what I was doing. And I had been with my organization a long time and decided I wanted to live closer to my family uh, who are in Austin, Texas. And then out of the nowhere, this job appears to lead this organization, the Texas Society of Architects. And I thought, it's perfect. That's a perfect fit um, for me. And it all happened very quickly. And you must have you must have ticked that, you know, marriage piece, marriage and um the yeah, therapy type thing. That <laughs> must have you must have gone down and gone, there's a that, that'll be a strong skill set. Oh <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I I just thought all these years I've always loved and learned to love um you know, business and I have an MBA, like I, I really do like it, but I also have a lot of other interests, including art and architecture and, you know, a a real passion for um, how your surroundings affect you, just to put it simply. And it was very meaningful. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can use my skills Um, in a place with people who do something that I find incredibly meaningful and it's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we picked up my family. We were in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, and moved to Austin, Texas in a a short period of time and started working with the architects. And um, I've been here about a year and a half and I'm still learning about it. But um, one thing we talked about, and I'll say this because I don't think it's a secret and no. I, I don't, I don't um, shy away from it, but I have learned um, that architects aren't, aren't as businessy as I thought they might be. Mm. They aren't, they're, they're not that they don't have strong, healthy businesses, many of them, but yep. the, the vast majority of architects work in small firms mm-hmm. and they're working on their passion. They're working on design and the things they love and working with their clients and all of that. And I think the business of architecture is really one of the challenges that we face as an organization in helping our members um, to to understand um, how they could be even more prosperous. Um, We talk about that a lot. One of our, one of our primary goals in our strategic plan is prosperity for the profession. And so I will often say to members, you know, that's not a bad word, prosperity, you know, (laughs) making money is not a bad thing. It's, it's important. So you can continue to do what you love. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like um, you actually affect how other people live, like dramatically affect how they live. And so with that, that has a high value and, and and that value is largely unrecognized. Um, I mean, it's often said that architecture is the lowest paid profession, lowest paid of the professions, whether it is or not, I don't know. But um, again, as you said, it's an organized, like uh, in lots of very small firms, you know, fives, tens or less, you know, two. I think of, you know, Australia's most famous architect is Glenn Merkert, and Glenn works on his own mm-hmm. and does one 
one job a year. Like that's what he does. He does one residential job a year, like um, and just works on his own. And I know plenty of architects who pretty much it's them and one other person. Um, mm-hmm. and there's I think that there's um a certain amount of joy in that for all the certain amount of loneliness in it. Like there's a there's a trade-off. Yes. There's a trade-off, you know, like um but taking that business part of it and and being able to go, so how do we better um have these these creatives organized? Do you know I think the same thing actually happens in something like a, an industry like graphic design. Mm-hmm. It's either you're sucked into a bigger firm or you're this one you know man band pony show that um has a few friends around you. And photography is another one mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and you think of the architectural photographers that we know, you know, they're, they're kind of like one man band. Yes. Unless they expand out into, you know, some other disciplines like video and stuff, but they're very rarely 80 people. They're very yeah. rarely a hundred people, you know, right. like they might get to in the fives or maybe 10 would be extreme. So it's a, yeah, it's that maybe that just that creative industry type of thing. And I think that's a huge part. Fine art. My sister, you know, studied art, you know, she's a painter and yeah. it, she, no one tells you that it's all part of the training. Like you're trained to use your design brain, you know, design thinking and problem solving and all of this, but nobody talks about, you know, don't um, use that prosperous word. Don't you, right. Don't, you know, nobody tells you that no one's going to come knock on your door and say, please paint a painting for me. You know, you Uh have to, most artists, most creatives are not famous, right? Um, But that's what people see. If anybody does know an architect, you know, it's someone who's the big name, the big yeah. architect, or or, or someone that is um, their friend or the, a family yeah. member or something like that. Yeah, right. But if they haven't had that experience, mm-hmm. they really don't know anything about the profession. And I was talking to a friend last night who's here in town. She's just um, building a house in um, Oregon, outside uh-huh. of Portland. Oh, nice. And she said the hardest part of the whole process. In addition to all the money that's going yeah. out the door every day, <laughs> yeah. um, finding an architect because oh, she said, wow. she said, you're, you're talking with architects and you um, see a little bit of their work, you know, they show you their work, but you're going to be working with them for a while and yeah. you understand their process. And you want to understand how we're going to communicate and how this is going to work. And she said that was the hardest part was finding someone who could articulate that. So what's her background? What does she do? So she is a creative. Oh, okay. She, she is. Well, she does um, like design work for uh, Nike. Oh, big nice. Okay. Company. Yeah. That's why she's yeah. up there. Yeah, so Beaverton. she was. Yes, yes. And so she was in town for a running conference where she had created the whole, you know, what they showed and the experience of the event. And um, so she's very talented and creative herself. And, but just, you know, so she has ideas. I think that's another thing, too. Mm. You go into a project mm. like that with an architect and you do have your own sense of 
design, you that maybe makes it harder. I don't know. Well, de depending. Um, it's a really good. It's a really good question. Does it make it harder or not? Depends on the architect or the designer that you work with. As to are they, you know, like if I said to you, well, so would you like a new car? And you go, yes. And I go, which one would you like? You pick anything, right? And so you go, oh, well, I'd like the, um, you know, I don't know, Mercedes S-Class, the new one, you know. And I go, okay, cool. So here's your options now. So you know what the car is. You know what it looks like. Here's your options. So what color leather would you like? Okay, cool. And what? So the exterior color, what would you like for that? Yeah, okay, cool. And um, there'll be some other options, you know. There'll yeah. be some some upsells. There'll be, would you like your fries with that? Would you like a shake? Would you like, you know, like, yeah, could I sling you a couple of hash browns or a, a McFlurry or something? You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's an upsell, but you don't get to design a car. You don't get, you're going to right. spend a significant amount of time in it. Well, if you're in LA, you're going to spend your life in it. But if it, yeah, get a really good one, downsize the house, honey. We're going to, we're going to be in the car more than the house. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um, so you don't get that level of custom. But if I said to you, so Jennifer, um, what sort of car would you like? And you'd start with one with wheels, maybe, or whatever. Let's just say you didn't say wheels. Let's just say you said, or oh, one that hovered. Now we're <laughs> in a whole new realm of custom. Yes. And 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 this is a house. So, well, what mm -hmm. sort of house do you want? Well, I want four bedrooms. Right. Okay. And um, <laughs> a kitchen. Yeah, yep, yep. Most houses have one of them. Bathroom. Yep, bathroom. I'll take a bathroom. A living room. Yep. Yeah, you can have a living room. We can give you all those. But that's like, so which bathroom, which kitchen, which now you've got to dig into each tiny piece of that. Now, if you can't get the synergy. So when she's saying, A, the creative, she's got these ideas. She wants to be able to be understood, heard, and them to, to empathize with where she, her, she is and where her journey is to then go to the next thing. Or there's the architect on this side or designer on this side that turns around and says, great, show us your block. Oh, that's beautiful. Great. Well, what we're going to do is, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and then that's like going and buying the car. Oh, why did Mercedes put that button over there? Guess I'll just learn to live with that. Mm -hmm. Oh, they didn't know I was like, whatever. Yeah, and I, I think that she did find a great architect to work with for her who's, you know, um, helping, take, you know, helping her make her ideas yeah, even real. better. Yeah, real. Yeah. and even more than she, because we were talking last night about how I don't know all of the options for exterior, you know, what you cover your house with. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know who that is. I'm learning here with the architects, but. Um, sure. And environmentally, they change as well, depending on whether you're in, you know, Indiana or whether you're in Texas. They you mm -hmm. could be the same or they could be completely different. Yeah. So she, I just thought it was fascinating. And I'll tell you another part back to the business part. She was saying her, her husband, who's very, uh, Oh yeah, okay. Technically oriented, you know, very yep. um yep. he 
he has created this this massive spreadsheet <laughs> about all of the process and the costs and all of this, right? And so they, she said one fun thing is where they're building their house is on the main street of the town, but up on a hill. Mm-hmm. And so it's prominent, you know, and so people will drive by and see. Kind of look, at, look at it in progress. And so they've met a lot of fun people that way. And they met, they met a um, couple who's working with the same architect or starting to work with this architect on yeah. another project. And they were asking all these questions. And she said her husband just was like, I'll show you the spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> because, because it's such a mystery to people, this this mm. process and mm. working with an architect, I think. And, um, y- you know, I, I loved that story because oh. the, the people couldn't believe he was sharing it, you know, and I kind of couldn't believe how complex it had become. <laughs> But, but at the end of the day, these are people putting, this is their, their home they want to live in. And they're going to spend a significant amount of money. Yes. Yes. And so they want to understand it. And I, what, what I think it really articulates though, is how, you know, we know that architecture is for everyone, um, that architecture matters to absolutely everyone, but for a common you know, if you don't have unlimited funds to build mm-hmm. your dream home, mm-hmm. you're just trying to build your dream home, but within parameters. You probably even need an architect more to do that. You do. And yet I would say it's not clear to a lot of the public. No. It's uh, that, ha- that. How do you how do you advertise to people that, you know, let's just say that they've got, I don't know, let's say it's half a million dollars, which is like grocery money these days yeah which is sad you know but even if if that was all the money you had how do you say to somebody or how do you get convinced somebody that the um let's just say that the architect's fee is going to be you know 12 percent, or it could be you know something in this in this realm of you know depending that that significant portion of that five hundred thousand dollars is worth spending on the planning and mm-hmm. and when when you you're thinking of you know like sofas and um tv sets you know like it's yeah. this it, oh. that that significant if you if you find the right designer or architect to work with and that that significant amount of money that it might cost to have them and there'll be architects that their fee range will be completely different you know it could be from three, four, five, six percent to twenty percent, just depending on who the firm is and what services you're buying from them. But from that design point of view, if you can find the person who their brain and your brains, because it's usually couples, mm-hmm. can lock together and mm-hmm. create genius, you will get so much for that money. Mm-hmm. That will support you and your lifestyle and your um, uh, the way you live, the culture, the the environmental culture of your home. Um, it's worth the money. I, it's I, I worth think the so. money. Yeah, I think so, and I think mm. we've got to find a way to better share that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she's someone who was well aware they wanted to hire an architect. You know that was important to them. 
and even they didn't quite understand anything the, the about benefit. the benefit the, yeah. the benefit or or even you know the process because yeah. i think that, that i'm sure you know this but i mean it's it's a money is personal to people i mean money is it's 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 the biggest expense most of us have is our home right yes. that yes. that's and so and it's an investment it's an expense mm -hmm. but you're hoping to um we're hoping that it's gaining value, especially in our Western world, you know, in general and in our cultural society. We, um, you know, there's dinner party conversations about, so what's this house worth or what's that block of land worth? What's this? What's that? Yeah. And that fades away, you know, in the multi, multi-million dollar properties because those people, they're not worried about what this costs. They're going, so what does that sound system tell me about that? Uh -huh. you know? And nobody uh -huh. says, well, the speakers were a hundred thousand dollars each. Uh -huh. Um, but you certainly um, you know, that they, they'll come away from there going to their whoever it is, secretary or whoever they have organized stuff, or they'll get on the internet and look it up and go, Oh, okay, so he must have spent a million on the sound system. Okay. Honey, we got to check the sound system stuff out. You know, <laughs> that's that's the difference how the race changes. At the top level, it's about it becomes back to about the inclusions and things beyond just the architecture, you know, and, the, the cost of the architecture. Right. And I think the whole design process is important to some people more than others. Yeah. I wish, you know, it should be to everyone, but in my opinion, but um, but I think working through like you were saying earlier about the car scenario, like, yeah. if you think through what you're going to how you're going to use this car or house every day you can save yourself time money frustration in the end by really thinking it through and and walking through what, having somebody think it through with you with you exactly. who understands what the outcome will be mm -hmm. you know like like it, that yeah it, it you can save yourself time and money but you can also bring yourself joy Yes. um of of the from the structure you know to take your friends that you're talking about so they're going to have a house that is going to be seen mm -hmm. so one of the the pieces of that is there's a, a level of status that they are going to be aware of and their neighborhood maybe has a level of status that you know they're going to be um somewhat conditioned to from their environment and then because their house will be seen and they've created all this, you know, people have, it's generated interest as it's happening. Mm -hmm. The next thing is, is now there's expectation from something beyond themselves. And the question is, is how comfortable are they that they've got it right for themselves, but have they got it right for this town and the space? Yes, and, you, you know, like, and you've got to, you've kind of got to, it's like dressing. You know, so you, you get up in the morning and you go, oh, who am I seeing today or what am I doing today? So what will I wear kind of thing? And mm -hmm. most people, I wouldn't say everybody, but most people make some sort of conscious decision around how they're going to present themselves each day. And uh, with that, you could go down. So I, I used to work in the fashion industry. So this is one that I always really understood. You could go down in the fashion industry, think of the movie Devil Wears Prada. And 
you know, um, was it Anne Hathaway? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She gets absolutely slated for everything she wears at the start, you know, whether it's a, a, a home knitted sweater or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah. right through to she conforms for the environment. And not only does she conform, she excels in the environment in a really mm -hmm. tricky one to, to excel in. And so if you're not going to play the game, which sounds really stupid when you're talking about building a house in a residential area, mm -hmm. um, if you're not going to play the game, then you have to go your own game and either you're going to do it successfully or you're going to be outcast for it. You know, you become those people that built that house. Oh my God, what were they thinking? Really? Yeah. Or they're those people who came to town. Oh, you see that beautiful house they built? Oh, it's just like, it's the pinnacle of the neighborhood. It's so fantastic. It's like, and there's all the status and the, the acceptance Whereas, really, who who would have even thought that the that's stupid to put windows on this side? You know, why would you even do that? Or there is no windows. What are they just looking out of that little hole for? People are going to have judgment and opinions, and you're going to live with them because it's your house. And and they'll and they'll have both, right? Some mm -hmm. people will think it's the best house in the mm -hmm. town, and others. You know, I wish I could remember what she called it. They looked for the longest time for the exterior cladding. Yes, and but they chose this this something I had not heard of, but that basically looks like like a washed, like a Norwegian wood kind of oh. Scandinavian, but it's not wood. It's, oh, okay. it's more hardy like yeah. that, you know, yeah. and I, I apologize. I can't remember no, it's what okay. it is, yeah. but what's interesting is that she said um, people who've stopped by keep asking, like, are you going to paint it or is that going to be the color, you know, and she's <laughs> like, that's the color <laughs> that's supposed to look like that. <laughs> So to your point, she's already, they, they won't even live in it for six, you know, to eight months yet, but that people are already stopping and like, hmm, let's see. Hmm, what, let's see. That? Yeah, what color are you painting that? Oh, we're, we're not. That's the finished thing. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. You know, I think it's, I would probably never ask that because I can see what they're going for yeah. here. But it's, a, it's such a fascinating thing, though, isn't it? It's like, you know, like there's this this journey. And then even for the um, architect, the architect's on the same journey as they are in the sense that all those questions, he's having to sort of say to them, no, no, it'll be okay, or or she or what, however it is set uh -huh. up. But it, it, it'll be okay because, remember, this is where we're going to get to. And that... They're, you know, donkey deep into their wallet and running on faith. <laughs> they've put, they've put, you know, like the money's spent and it's going out the door and they're going, I hope this is right. You know, the, the architect isn't. The architect's going, I've got this vision and I can see where it lands. But they're going, there's, there's moments in their little journey where they go, and that's why they have <laughs> the spreadsheet. Well, I have because to otherwise you. there's no comfort for them. Exactly. And she, you know, this is someone who cares deeply, right, about, they're not just looking for a house of a certain size, you know, she cares about yeah. the, the design of it. And she was saying, um, 
you, you know, the architect has a vision and I know that we are now in a time with the technology uh, to to produce these wonderful visualizations, right? Mm -hmm. Ways to show, visualize the- High quality renders and 3D walkthroughs and um, virtual reality. But she was describing trying to find um, certain materials and like that that would be told like go we'll try this place they'll have a sample or what have you and she's like and you go and they have you know a sample as as big as my phone that Which they dragged gonna... out of a that they dragged out of a dusty cardboard box and I'm supposed to take that and decide if I want to put it all over my house. <laughs> I want to use a couple of hundred square meters of that stuff. Yes. She's just like, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a complex uh, situation. It, it is, know? and it's long. It's long as well. Like I always say to people, you know, like, um, you know, we're going to be in bed for a while. <laughs> this is like, and there's going to be, you know, especially like, especially with, um, GCs, contractors as well, and builders. Um, this person you're going to give a, a huge amount of money to, and you're going to be in bed with them for the duration of this project. If you're not, you're in for even the worst pain that you could ever imagine, but way worse than you could even conjure up. So you want this person to be, you want to make that choice really, really well as well. And you mm -hmm. want to make that choice with the architect so that the capacity and the capability match your your project and the personalities we're all in a team to get to this end thing mm -hmm. that you're going to spend all the money getting to yeah. and then you're going to have to live in it or not mm -hmm. but generally you're going to go i'm in love and i'm going to live in this and i'm going to love every element of it and if you don't and you're you're living in something that you go, why did this ever happen to us? You're going to destroy your life, pulling yourself apart. So that the the the, <laughs> the team part of it is just critical. High levels of trust are oh, needed. And beyond beyond anything you can imagine for the amount of money you're spending. <laughs> right, and and to 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 feel the trust and to be able to communicate. I think that's another another area that yeah. perhaps isn't as focused on in the early parts of training and experience and and frankly a lot of professions, but where just how do you communicate? How do you yeah. share your vision? How do you talk about money? How yeah. do you uh help build that trust? I know that when you talked about the GCs when we lived in Indiana um, like many people during the pandemic, uh, early days, I was like, our house is too small. We must <laughs> add on to the house. And so. Hopefully your husband brought sense to that. Oh my, well, no. So I. You I, won. You won. <laughs> well, our architect, we didn't build it, but I did have worked with the, our architect that had built the house. Yep. And um created this addition plan for this addition. And um, I was very excited about it. And then we were looking at contractors. So it was very hard to find anyone because everyone was building onto their house. Um, but long story, my, my point of that is just that we, the one of the general contractors he recommended, the architect recommended um, 
I liked okay, but I didn't feel strongly and the price was pretty high. And, um, but at the end of the day, my, you know, my architect said, I've worked with him on this kind of project Mm -hmm. and I trust him Mm -hmm. to do the quality. I know quality is important to you. Mm -hmm. And here's, and I had to just, you know, you have to decide at some point and say, I will trust you. For the best outcome. Uh, like I, I've I've got a project at the moment where it's expensive. Like it'll be uh, over three million dollar build, um, and the client knows a builder who's never done anything of this quality or of this size, and the client is um, wealthy. And my first thing was is to them was, okay, well, let's go and I'll go and have a look at this. So they've been recommended this builder. They've never dealt with them themselves. Um, And they do know that this would be a leap for this builder to get Mm -hmm. there. And I'm pretty a risk averse kind of person, but somebody always gets to start to try something. Yes, so yes. yeah, like um, but I'm very risk averse in that sense. And so I said, okay, so the first thing is is capability is can they finish this house at the level that it's um A, that we can specify it to, but B, that this neighborhood and your own um uh you know, vision and aesthetics and uh, and I suppose um what's the word I'm looking for? your expectation will be fulfilled. Uh-huh. So a, a, can they work at that level? Do they have experience working at that level? Do they have the right contractors to work at that level? You know, they mm. say, oh, well, I've got an amazing plumber. Great. Tile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, what means amazing? What's their tolerance? What, what, oh. what means amazing to that builder versus what means amazing to you? at the end of the project what's that gap and um so yeah just this conversation i said well the he's a lovely guy um what happens has he got enough significant projects that he can fund your project and they're like what do you mean and they said we're paying for it and i said yeah but he will need probably a million or so um, of liquid funds to be able to build a house of this size because and they were like well we'll we'll make sure that that money's there and I said yeah but you want to make sure that money's there when you know that you've got what you should have got for that money what's the process mm-hmm. what points will those things be paid um how will you keep track of um the the general finances of this project. How, how are you going to do that? It, you know, is it going to be a cost plus situation where he gives you invoices with a margin attached to them and you pay them? And then how who will have run the accounting if that's the case? If it's a fixed price, how will that be done? Who's going to oversee the project? I don't want to run it. I'm not going to do right. contract administration. Right. Um, so I'm not going to run it. So we need the builder to have that system. And we need you to be able to see transparently into that system or whoever you nominate to do it, you know, because mm-hmm. we could get somebody that just, that's what they do. They'll charge a few percent on the build cost, but they will actually 
watch and manage all that side of it for you because if it's not your expertise maybe it's theirs um and just these conversations again we're talking about process um and many architects will do you know the the contract administration so what's their process to run that contract administration and how will they meet how will they hold the builder accountable when will they tell you to release the funds or not release the funds or what's fair and not fair how's that How's that piece working? And so, yeah, you're creating such a team that it's really important that 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 team gels together because mm-hmm. at the end, you're the only loser or winner. Everybody else walks away. <laughs> yes, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And just yeah. to tie my, I will tell you, we did not build the addition <laughs> because we moved to Texas. Yeah. But we, uh, I left the beautiful plans that I paid for uh in the house for the next for the summer. next people <laughs> lovely <laughs> lovely i think there's a you know the 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 i remember a builder saying this to me once you know like a, a gc so he was saying to me about a, a doing a house or something and we were working on it and uh, there was some you know the variations in the in the um that the, they came to us and asked us to make changes too so we made these changes and at the end of the day you know he was giving them a, a, an invoice for this for the variations and stuff and they were like um okay so you know going through it and they asked me about it and I said oh no I don't know I'd need to sit down with them and just run through if you don't think it's reasonable or we you know I'm happy to do that I don't want to run the projects like that, but I'm happy to do that. Anyway, I did that. And um, he said to me afterwards, he said, uh, and it was all okay. It was all okay. Um, It was more just explanation. He hadn't given a a clear enough explanation for them to understand. And he made this comment to me. I thought it was really, really brilliant. He said, at the end of the day, you get paid to draw some pictures. Um, I get paid to... uh, you know, put nails in timber and make those pictures into a reality. And he said, whatever I get paid, I get paid. And I walk away with whatever you get paid, you get paid and you walk away with. They keep a house that goes up in value and increases their value of their life and in, the, in their physical life. They get to keep this thing that we've sweated and all the rest. And it gr- grows in value. Mm-hmm. them for as long as they own it yeah. we on the other hand took that wad of cash that we got for it and mm-hmm. that's what we got mm. what we do with that determines what happens next in our lives whether we invested in something else what we do with it whether we spend it whether we bank it whether we spend send our kids to school with it whatever they go and make that money somewhere else but we end up doing it. That's what we do. But they still end up with this asset that they get to live in and be nurtured by. So, Speaking, uh, go ahead. No, yeah, no, I was going to say it's just a really different angle to look at it from. Um, that that's what architects do is they get their paid their piece of cash to make something yeah. that is a valuable asset for those people for their lives and beyond. And beyond, and and depending on the project, like if it's it's a you know a community, it's a museum or a yeah. you know that's for the whole community to. But although you know my here's my business brain kicking in when you were saying that, 
You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of, um, you know how movies, some actors will build in their contract a lower fee, but a, a like a back. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, maybe with you could do that with expensive homes maybe. that you get paid less. But when they sell it, you get some. Well, maybe they just have to revalue it every two years and you get a percentage. Keep paying you. There you go. I'm just. <laughs> Brainstorming, here. I'm liking that one. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll get it valued every year, and um, you'll just pay us like a small percentage on that. Yeah, yeah. For the uplift in value that you've got. Yeah, that's awesome. I know architects. I've got a friend in England. Um, he's on the podcast. Um, R Richard Dajitsky, and he does quite a few projects with people where he will go development projects where he will go okay i'm going to put skin in the game you're going to put skin in the game and at the end of this when you sell these off or if you're not if you decide not to sell them and you just decide to have them um you know like you're going to keep them then we'll have them valued at the end of the game because it might be two years on or whatever mm -hmm. we'll have them valued and then i'll get paid out my skin in the game as a yeah. percentage uplift, but I'll keep it. I'll keep it tight at the start, but mm -hmm. I'm looking for my money at the end. But it becomes, oh, I suppose, complex and convoluted and stuff like that. You know, like. But I'm with you. I go. This this asset grows and grows and grows, and um, the, the, if it was a piece of art, if that was an artwork. That which it is, remember, but it's an artwork you live in and it's fixed to the ground usually. Um, that piece of art would go up in value every year and it would be become, there's only one of them, it's collectible, it keeps rolling and you could take it off the wall and you could sell it to somebody else and make the uplift and the money. The mm. artist, again, doesn't get they a... Got, yeah. They got paid once. They, they got they, you get paid once yeah. and oh that's so interesting and when you talk about that that person that process I think before I worked so closely with so many architects the architects that I knew of that were friends of mine were uh also developers you know yeah. people who were had that business side of mm -hmm. it um who were doing both and yeah same time and so that was my and their money would be made heavily in the developing side of it the uplift on that yeah. yes and yeah. i i didn't always understand that as well as i'm, I'm but now you see it now well, you see and, it yeah and i see the i always you know think of it you know architecture is art if you want to mm. complete them I, I, that's how i think of it and um so I I should have realized, I guess what I'm getting at is this, this, um, this passion for it. This, the people who I've met who become architects are, you know, they want to change the world. Yeah. They, they want to change the world. They, they want it to be a better place. Yes. They want mm. it to be a better place and they want to do their part to, to make it safe. Uh, beautiful and sustainable that's in our mission right mm -hmm. and um so i see i talked a little bit about this with my friend last night as well a lot of architects who do a lot of work 
beyond oh. maybe the scope, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a That's... thing the accountants would not do. I'll tell you that right now. No, or a lawyer won't either. You know, it's right. six minute billings right. or nine minute billings or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, um... but it's expected uh, in this industry. And what happens is, is I often laugh with this, you know, I say to clients, so we're going to do a house, um, but we're looking at the block of land. And let's just say it's not a massive block of land. We're looking at the block of land and we're going, okay, what can we influence from every point of that block of land? Like right to the last millimeter of it is really the space that we're working in. Mm-hmm. And then we're working in the greater environment, but just that's the piece that we can still build things on, grow things on, um, create the environment and you know like that that's the that's the scope of our existence is in there mm-hmm. and you know some architects just do how the house and then others will go um oh well we need a landscape architect to do the you know the exterior pieces the, the landscaping mm-hmm. um and then they'll go we need an interior archi- you know architect or an interior designer to create the interior piece it's mm-hmm. to a different degrees of levels and all these disciplines kind of come together, but they can only work on the piece of land that there is, whether it's a house or whether it's a building or whatever, there's a boundary to it. When you go and work on ranches or farms, you are kind of defining that plot yourself mm-hmm. as to mm-hmm. where those things will sit. And then, mm-hmm. so you, you're making a um, a collection of things usually, or a single thing, but usually a collection of things that are all going to interact together um, in a like its own little ecosystem. And then there'll be the great, you know, the, the rest of the the property around it. Um, mm-hmm. But you're still t- taking a piece. And so getting that piece so that you've got this, the right amount of stuff in the right place is the key. And then and the passion of it just means that you can't stop thinking about it. Where's the driveway going to be? Where's that going to be? What's that walk-in going to be like? How's that going to form itself? What's going to happen there? Yeah. It, it's so fun. We had our um, annual conference. Um, mm, in El Paso. And Design Expo, yes, in El Paso. And what, uh, keynotes we had were from Dust. Uh, oh, uh. Yeah. They're on and the po- they're on this podcast, yeah. Oh, good. And, and so, Susan yeah. Cad, God. And Moses, yes, yeah. um, Arizona. But when in their presentation they talked about, you know, uh, going to they they often work in in very large landscapes yeah. and desert landscapes and um, talked about going and spending the night there, mm-hmm. like camping mm-hmm. out, you mm-hmm. know, and changing their idea about where which way they faced and the the entrance would be and all of that and um the same you know just actually all of our our speakers this year um elaine molinar i don't know elaine uh in new york um she's originally from el paso um and she's i highly recommend looking up her I'll get her you to work. intro me. Uh, her work. Oh my goodness, yeah. so talented. But um, you know, again, using ev- when you said that, it made me think of of a project she talked about. Um, and I'm going to get it wrong. Um, Opera House, yeah, the Oslo, Norway. Oh Opera yes, House. yes, 
Yes. I mean, uh, amazing. Amazing. The way it goes into the water and mm. is a And the way you yeah, and the way you walk up it. The yes. way you walk up the up the up the side of it and so it creates these ramps and vistas and yes. yeah, it, yes. it floats out of the fjord. It, 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 it's genius. It's it's using genius. <laughs> every bit of the space in a way that it gives me goosebumps, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like using every bit of the space to to make you feel something to engage you to engage yeah yeah and the 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 pictures of of it with all of the people in the community that just hang out there in all weather um because it feels good and and yeah yeah it's got its own emotion it's Mm -hmm. um it creates a an emotion within people and when we say engage um often people think that that means excite it doesn't mean excite necessarily it might mean settle it might mean relax it might mean more contemplative it might mean i mean i think of you know um the guys from dust and they are so contemplative that it just spins my head constantly i love my conversations with them i have to like you know almost take both shoes off and bury my feet in the ground to be able to talk to them. That is <laughs> my such mind's a, racing ahead. I, I love that description that contemplated because you you almost and especially as a non non just yeah, appreciator. Yeah. Uh, when they're talking, sometimes I would just think, wow, you know, I don't know how to say this. It'll sound, I, it's impressive. But what, what I remember thinking was just like, they're still thinking about it. You know, <laughs> like they're, they're still thinking about it because they're so uh, contemplative and so uh, wanting to get it just how it should be. For, the, for, for everything, for the occupants, for the, for the arc- landscape, yes. for the, for the, for the history, for uh, the. Uh, yeah. The sustainability, right? They talk yeah. a lot about wind mm-hmm. flow and mm-hmm. places without, you know, uh central how, air. How do you create breeze? How do you how do you manage that? Yeah, just I mean they um closely sort of related to um Rick Joy as well with you know studio Rick Joy and again genius. I mean they're geniuses from part of like he's a genius. Um and again there's this I suppose narrative that comes from it. Actually, for anybody who's listening to this, if you go and find um Jesus's uh or go on to Dust first, and you'll probably find it there if you go onto Dust's um Instagram, there is a fascinating uh little journey with Jesus and his truck um driving through Arizona. And it was done just recently, they posted it. And uh I the emotions that well for me the emotions that it just cements and drags out and touches your soul as he's talking about the landscape as he's driving through it in part of Arizona that I just go ha ah it's just beautiful (laughs) like just beautiful like it's worth and it won't resonate with everybody for sure 
but go and listen to it and watch it. And if it resonates with you, you can appreciate a layer of genius that just exists that otherwise this quiet contemplative man, you would never get to understand. Mm -hmm. He's the kind of person that if you spent a month with him, you might learn a few things, but you'd have to be quiet the whole month. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he would be quiet for 30 days of the 31. (laughs) Oh, I'm sad to say I would be miserable at that. (laughs) But I I completely... You can imagine me. (laughs) We were just talking about uh, Kate and Jesus the other day and how kind of mesmerizing they were both on the stage at the same time and taking turns with their and they're so calm and they make grounded grounded and kind and just it was an experience you know not just the amazing work um but that's that's and that's why I guess I use the word feel a lot like how you feel in a because I do think there are places um that don't make you feel comfortable and and that's 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 a feeling too you know and that's part of it and um so I don't know it's just a a perception this is this thing of of when you talk about architects and matching clients with architects and designers is how did they make you feel so like you just said with Caden with um with Jesus's if you go and look at their structures, that's them built as a structure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's so true. To it, it, it's so true to the landscape themselves, to who they are, and you come into that. If you if you're in love with the landscape in the same way that they are in love with the landscape. I always think of this as well. Like Jesus's um, Instagram is filled with pictures of the sky, clouds. Uh-huh. So here's a guy that is ridiculously grounded, mm-hmm. like just uh, unbelievably grounded, but he's looking in the sky. And I, I always, Rick Joy said this thing to me. He said, I love to go to, a canyon and lie in the bottom of a canyon and look up, especially at night, but lie in the bottom and look up because it's got walls and it just gives me a vision, not everything. And that, that perspective. And I think of Jesus must lie in the fields Yes. Every, yes. Every, every, if he's not at his desk or throwing something, you'll probably find him lying in a field observing how the clouds move. I, I, but it's like I, it's separated from him because he's so grounded. That's a great description from what I, little I know. I think that's a great description. Uh, and do I, you think – go ahead. I, I was going to say, Kate's probably – he's not that much different. No. <laughs> I was going to say between the two of them, I, I would, I, I'd love to to get to know them um, better. It sounds like you oh, had some yeah. great thoughts, and um, they were very gracious to be with us at the conference. And so humble, so humble, 
Like, so humble. Yeah. yeah. And how do you stop somebody like that, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, they um, people over-delivering, you know, architects over-delivering beyond the scope? Because how could you turn that off in, a, in, in humans like that? No. You couldn't. No. They're looking at the on the journey to the piece of land, they're looking at everything for the 30 miles they're driving in there. And they're seeing that as they're about to put this, you know, couple of hundred square foot block on the land. And they're seeing that that could relate to something 30 miles out. And how do we keep the truth here? Mm -hmm. How do we be honest? (laughs) And that, what that right there is the reason, the challenge, the business challenge, because you want both. Like I, mm-hmm. you want, I want everyone to have that kind of, ex- to have the experience of working with someone. People like that. People like that. Yeah. Um, and yet there's no dollar amount, right? How you, do you. You can't. You there is no dollar it? amount. It's, no. It's art. No. It's art, yeah, and it's it's um the responsibility, um you know these guys again just you know they're a great example of this. The responsibility, like I said earlier, you know, you take a piece of land and then you ruin that bit of land by putting a building on it, um because that's what you do you sh- you shift it, mm-hmm. and whether that's forever or whether it's for you know I mean the guys who built the pyramids they they. Uh, whether they planned them to be there still, I don't know, but they've shifted that landscape incredibly forever, or as long as we'll ever live and our families will live. Um, mm-hmm. And they treat it with that level of responsibility and I suppose depth of of caring and understanding and, and that kind of thing. Now, not all architects are like that. Not all are. However, in saying that, many, many, many come from that feeling. Uh huh. You know, I hate. I I feel like I'm just story after story. But I have to say, based on what you described, I have to say another project that Elaine Molinar talked about from Snowetta was the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library that they're working on. That you can see a. you can see on their website a, a rendering, but she talked about going there, and I think they camped there as well in the on the land, and talked about how the the intention was to build it on this vista, you know, kind of on this hillside. Mm-hmm. But then after you know staying there and being in that space saying why she she said why would we take this view away from people who want to come here i've got to tell you a story based on this go keep okay. going i love and, this and, i love this and so they completely changed you know the the where i forgot the position the, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, where they're going to place it and then created again this seems very important to her and 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 um, but created outdoor spaces then for people to enjoy this this view that was going to be like it was the the pinnacle of the property you know it would yeah. be the yeah. library and instead it was like well now you're just ruining it you know not really but it just was a wonderful um 
And if you see the rendering, you'll you'll appreciate I'll it. I'll go it's and look for it. I'll go and so look for it. So much a part of the landscape now, and um, even more. So. That's that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I I have this little story that will tell this so clearly, just what you just said. So I'm talking to a, a really good friend of mine, like one of my best friends, and he's an architect. And anyway, and I was saying something about um. And we should go to Falling Water together sometime. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I said, what do you mean, oh, yeah? And he's like, yeah, exactly. He goes, oh, it'd be good to see the house. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, I said, I've been before. And, you know, it's like, I was, t- I was really excited about it. You know, I'm a reasonably excitable person, so I was pretty excited <laughs> about it. And, um, <laughs> and with it, he goes, yeah, I'm not such a fan of Frank Lloyd. I, I, I really, you know, I, I respect the guy. Like, he's incredible, you know, what he did and all the rest. But I'm not such a fan because he, he must have been an asshole. And I'm like, what? Like this, you know? And he goes, well, that falling water. And I'm like, all oh, ears at this point, you know, I'm leaning in. And uh, he goes, he goes, so the family came out. And they would be on that, you know, they used to come out from town and they used to spend their summers out that way. And they used to sit on this amazing rock with a waterfall and pools and all this kind of stuff. And that asshole builds a house on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he could overhang a river like this. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he goes, yeah. why, didn't he, why didn't he build it across where... Over, over where everybody stands and views that spot from so they could still use that spot. The favourite spot that <laughs> asshole puts an out, a house on it. <laughs> and okay. I, Brand new view of falling water for me. Thank you. <laughs> I know. This is what it did for me as well. Like I was like, wow. And it really, mm-hmm. it really clicked this resonance with me in, so was that the best spot for that house? And uh, have you been? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I have. And 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 when genius, you saying, love it. Yeah, oh, everything. I, yeah, everything. But but you say that, but I've never saw it without the house there. Do you know what I mean? So and, for me, the house feels like it should be there. Like hundred percent because of the genius that it was built and designed with and created with. It right. fits within the space. But did he steal? Did he steal the best part of the river to stick a house on? Maybe, no, maybe. Maybe. Based on his, you know. So this is that thing again of, you know, like you were saying with Elaine, she could have just run with the thing where they built it on the pinnacle, yeah. uh, you know, like instead of choosing to build it where the pinnacle became the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we we have a process that we call called land whispering and, and or whispering and it's like it's the descriptive process of going exactly don't do what Frank Lloyd Wright did if he got it wrong I'm going to presume he got it right yeah. I'm going to run with him on that. I'm with you because yeah, he, but... he did lots of other clever stuff and very very intuitive stuff and I also have this other thing with that if you look through Frank's whole portfolio falling water is the only house like that. Exactly, which is why it feels either, yeah. Either somebody else drew it, or 
it's um it, it it's so unique and of its time and of its moment and perfect for its position and its place and everything else yeah. so yeah i i go so this this process of um camping out you know, being at a site before sunrise, mm -hmm. being at a site after sunset. Yes. Being through mm -hmm. the whole day there, maybe more than once or twice. Right, right, you know, right, right. It, it, it's like your accountant saying, so give me all your receipts. I just want to check you put them in properly. <laughs> that you got everything that you didn't get some of the scents wrong when they were when they were entered double you check know. triple check yeah. yeah yeah i'd like to do that i'd like to spend my whole 20 next 24 hours just immersed in checking that you put the scents on right after the dollars or whatever mm -hmm. it is nobody does that but mm -hmm. people do and and There's, at different times of year and different times yeah. of, i mean um you know, when you mentioned, like, this is, I'm so sorry, a tangent, but so Frank, Lloyd, Frank Lloyd Wright, and um, and I remember at Taliesin West, yeah. a, a story, I don't know if it's true, about, you know, building this space for a piano, and the owners the, of the property said that, this is where I heard the story, I don't remember yeah. what the Yeah, which said, property it was to be, yeah. Said, um, well, we don't have a piano. He's like, you're gonna need to get a piano. <laughs> like, this is where the piano goes, you know. And so, um, back to my own house in Indiana, which an architect designed, but had started the process. He's a friend of mine, and we yeah. came in a little later, so could only make some changes. Um, along the way and I remember we have a baby grand piano and saying to my good friend whose uh, father and grandfather were architects and who's very interested and he said well you need to build this out right here and build a space for the piano like Frank Lloyd Wright would do and I was like oh like you're not you're not helping me right now I need to figure out where we're going to put this baby grand piano blah 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 well, fast forward, you know, the whole three years we lived there, I was never happy with where the baby grand piano was because we didn't have the right spot. And didn't. I always, I should have listened to him. I should listen to him and Frank Lloyd Wright built the spot for the piano. Well, the piano. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it interesting? Like this experience <laughs> that you go through. Hey, tell me a bit about what's happening in um, February with the Texas Society of Architects uh, conference, um, which I'm coming to, yay. Um, tell me a bit about it, Hill Country, some of the architects that you're going to have without spilling all the beans and where people can go and register and all the rest. Um, it would be really cool to be able to tell people to check it out. Check it out, yeah. Check it out. Yes, so we uh, each year have our design conference, and this coming year in 23, it's um, February 24th through 26th, and it moves around, as you mentioned uh, earlier, the conference this year was in March in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and um, so in 2023, we'll be in the hill country of Texas, which 
I'm excited about as a new a new transplant to Texas. I have not I'm trying to explore as much as I can, but this will definitely be an adventure. So tell me where the hill country is. So the the hill country region technically covers 11 million acres and 107 17 um counties of mostly privately held land and it is um and i'm texas people don't i should know by now but it's uh kind of north west of san antonio yeah. let's say that yeah. area yeah yep. between here austin and san antonio yeah and um yeah we we have a wonderful uh committee that helps put together the program and so we're going to tour ranches and private homes um all through hill country uh, some of the projects um are by lake flato um mm-hmm. uh well always in, a joy always, always a joy yeah. always amazing yeah. um Barry wellen like uh, architects mark wellen mm-hmm. john grable uh cuppet and hill patrick patrick yeah again awesome awesome that's giving me goosebumps (laughs) please please um and if you go to um our website the texas texas architects.org uh you can see some images of the um properties that we're going to tour um speakers are frank Harmon, bridget shim howard sutcliffe and richard fernow and laura hartman um it's going to be different. Some of our conferences, I think, have been a little more in more condensed areas. I mean, Jackson uh, Hole, the, for example. Jackson Hole, right? Yeah, there was yeah. you get on a bus, but you're there, and and but this is going to be a tour of, like I said, um, a lot of space. I was about <laughs> so, to say, so all the speeches will be done on the bus. On the bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seriously, we talked about that because there's going to be a lot of bus time. And there so yeah. um, I think we even talked about making sure we had, um, I think we got a sponsor and don't quote me on this too. who's going to sponsor, you know, with their logo on those little chairs, you can pop up and down. So as we are walking around these huge properties, you can take a seat when you need to. Grab a chair. I love yes. that. I love that. Um <laughs> You know, like there will be a lot of bus time and um, I was just thinking about, you know, how at the start of the conference, how everybody kind of meets and gets together and there's a lot of people who know each other. Um, You know, there's a lot of already formed relationships um, across that. And then there's the ones that like I turn up and like, I know, I know some people mainly from doing the podcast and also I've I've been very tied in with the AIA Austin um, Mm -hmm. over the years with their homes tour and stuff. So I've been to the homes tour seven or eight times or something. So yeah, I'm a regular. Um, (laughs) And, and this year I, I interviewed all the architects who had houses on the homes tour prior to the homes tour um, and made a little special of that on the, this podcast and then I did it two years ago as well when they um were locked down for pandemic and they still did a homes tour Um, yes yes the virtual yeah that that um you know that sort of initiative and and doing that I've had the pleasure of talking to a lot of different architects but a lot of them 
I've never met in the flesh as well. And so I kind of do have a little posse of people that I kind of hang out with, but I'm thinking, you know, like with that bus time, um, Mm -hmm. is there a wonderful way of, um, I want to say profiling people, but that's probably not the answer, but profiling people so that this cross-pollination of, um, you know, some organized, um, you know, like team building or game game yeah. state that so they get to know somebody that they would have never gotten to know before. Um, and then that there's going to be long journeys back to wherever mm-hmm. where everybody's going to be then dispersing to restaurants and um, you know, unorganized structure. Right, of bars right. and restaurants and music and stuff like that. So it'd, it'd be interesting. Where will, will where will be the hub? Will it travel out of Austin or will it? Yes. Yeah, so the hub will be uh, Y O Ranch Hotel. It's Y the letter Y dot O dot Ranch Hotel, and it's in Kerrville, where I've never been yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our our team has been out there and and how do you um, spell Kerrville? K e r r v i l l e. K e r r v i l l e. And we yep are this year because we are at this ranch hotel and not in a town like like Jackson. Um, we are going to have a dinner on the Saturday night, a group dinner. Awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. otherwise. Otherwise, how do people go? Oh, well, you haven't been to Kerrville yet either. So may- maybe this is a discovery of what, what is in Kerrville and maybe, or in that area, um, I was just thinking, you know, maybe, again, any of the architects who know the area really well that are listening, um, drop us a line and tell us the magical things in this area that aren't to be missed. Oh, and, that's uh, it Great could idea. work really well, eh? Like, yeah. I used to. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who um he died recently, and which was very sad. But he was um he lived in uh, Texas, and him and his wife. And anyway, when I would go there, he'd go. He was one of those people who was like a local. You know, knew everywhere, knew every. He knew every music venue because he used to work with Fender guitars, and he would say constantly, "Hey, um." We're gonna go here tonight. You know, you you guys want to join us? We're gonna take off to here, and um, we would get to some amazing places that you just wouldn't know existed. Yes. Yes. And generally, from his music video, music not video, sorry, music um background, he would know these places. Do you know? I'm trying to think of. Oh, I'll write myself a little note. I won't sit now, but I'll write myself a little note. Um, uh, There's an architect I know in um, Austin, and she did a photographic exhibition of dance halls in Texas. Okay. And uh, she would probably have some great... um, some great insights into these spaces where, where it, maybe in Kerrville, who knows? Maybe. I'm that's gonna, a, yeah. Yeah. I'm that's gonna, a really good point. I'll, I'll, and really, I'll put you in touch. I love your idea on the bus time. We, we were just some talking. games. <laughs> you know, well, 
we were talking the other day and this event, this, this conference is not, is not very big um, in terms of our annual conference. Um, but even then, if you are new to it or, or you don't already have a group, you know, we've been talking a lot about how do we make our events have, even if they're big, have smaller pockets you have smaller times and spaces for people to get to know one another um like zoom breakout rooms <laughs> yes like, like zoom breakout uh happy hour like yeah that's right yeah. yeah 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 um actually that could be a fun thing actually um i was just thinking uh, uh you know like find a tequila sponsor and um and and <laughs> and set up a, a you know like the cocktail competition like kelly Wurstler's part of a tequila company from mexico but i'm sure is she she is <laughs> yeah like she's 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 invested in something down there um you know like but something crazy like that where you've got to you've got to come with a tequila cocktail or you, you know this <laughs> tequila cocktail making sessions or what i don't know i don't know like yeah gotta get past a frozen margarita you know yeah branded shot glasses i see them now in our future (laughs) 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 yeah i think there's look it'll be amazing it will be amazing and the weather could be it's likely to be pretty warm but it could be cold as well could be i think it's a a mystery here Mm. at least um this is only my second winter kind of and um even this week we had a record high on you know monday i think um now it's cool again but still not cold by midwest standards but um unfortunately sadly i'm sure you know we had our um big weather event mm. last February that mm. was so um yeah. sad and, and um I was not here yet for that so I'm not sure but I guess that tells me it can get quite cold so I guess we'll have oh, to yeah. see yeah um, I've see been I, I like I generally come to Texas in October and I didn't come this year because I went to Barcelona in September so I didn't get to Texas in October um but I've been there and, you know, walking down South Congress and it's 40 plus degrees. Mm-hmm. And I've been there walking down South Congress and I've got a puffer jacket on. Well, Same time of year. It'll be yeah. mid to late October. Well, it's so it's where are we now? December 1st ish mm-hmm. uh, here. And it was 84 the other day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's 55. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I still, again, uh, still coming from being in the Midwest so long, I, it makes me laugh when people wear puffer jackets when it's 54, you know, and I'm not saying that was you. It was probably colder. You'll acclimatize. You'll acclimatize. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. I went from New Zealand to Queensland and Australia and the first year that we got here, I don't think I put a shirt on. I didn't put <laughs> shoes or a shirt on. I just, well, I actually came from Manchester in England. So I went New Zealand to England and England to here. And when we got here, um, 
I worked from home and kind of didn't work for a fair bit of that year. Um, just bummed around and we were renovating. We we're flipping a, a house, my buddy and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, so his wife, my wife, or my fiance at the time, we all moved in together like we were teenagers in a flat. And um, then him and I destroyed the house around the girls and then put it all back together. But that was sort of a, a project that we just, you know, it was great. It was so yeah. much fun. But with it, I would be in a pair of board shorts pretty much most days. And as uh, I don't think I put a shirt on because I came from Manchester, for God's sake. It was so damn cold. cold. Yeah, that I got here and I thought 15 degrees was a heat wave. You know, 15 Celsius was a heat wave. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like it was (laughs) crazy, absolutely crazy. I I can tell you I already feel, though, like I am – in just this 18 months uh, acclimated, you know, I'm like, why is it so cold? It's yep, so cold. Yep. It's well, now, now I've got that many jackets and stuff and we only have a cold month or two in the whole year and it doesn't get below six degrees, which is probably about 40 something. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with the um, conference, um, yeah, we'll post all that on our podcast piece as well. And all the links, um, all those pieces that we can post up and encourage people to understand it and then maybe, you know, come to it. And then for all the people that are listening that have gleaned um, this thing about how architects are and about the business of architecture as well, you know, this sort of the process, the what they're invested in and all the rest if you've got questions please by all means you know write into us and um let us know what your questions are and we'll get them answered we're we are really excited to be able to go oh so you didn't understand this great okay cool this makes sense so that you get like what jennifer does is she is the kind of conduit i suppose between um, this group of uh, architects that interface with the public with so much passion and drive about what they do that they expect you to understand something or, or everything about them without really them understanding anything about you in the sense of they know you're the public. But if you want to engage an architect to do something or if you're not sure whether you should, understanding how the Texas Society of Architects works to actually make that conduit from the architect side to you strengthened and better is the key to what you have dedicated your time to. Um, And I think it's really, really valuable because there is barely a built structure uh, that isn't, any built structure that hasn't had a great design eye or um, architectural eye and thought process uh, attached to it is probably living with the grand piano not quite in the right space. (laughs) (laughs) And and it doesn't mean everybody gets it all right. It's It's a bearing your soul journey to have a custom home and to have a civic place as well is it's not one soul, but it's hundreds of souls that are being contemplated 
um, and not lightly. You know, it's not lightly that it's contemplated. You know, think back to what we were saying about the guys from Dust. Yeah. Um, and they're, an, they're I think that they're a, an easy example to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that same thought patterns happening with depth with so many um, designers and architects that it's um, that's probably the magic that you don't see and they never reveal either because you've got to get to know them so closely to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So when you're interviewing people, it's how how do they make you feel and how do you get to understand them and do your processes match? Like that spreadsheet that your friend's husband's <laughs> doing, that architect, I don't know the architect, but the architect may benefit hugely by ownership of that spreadsheet for all the clients that are whatever type he is. Yeah. Being, so that that would be a link to those types of people that would make them go, I can trust this now because I know that this is seen or taken care of. I can take this next step with you because I know somebody's got this piece in hand. And it, and it's written in my language because that's the other yeah. thing. You know, every industry has a language and it's unique to that industry and the industry of architecture certainly has a language um, you know, <laughs> you your learning curve on that must have just oh. been like, what the hell are they talking? What are they? Oh talking? my gosh! What are they oh talking about? <laughs> so crazy! But you know what? I, I will say this: my I had an old boss who used to say this all the time, and he would tell he would walk up to people and say, or you know, talk to colleagues and say, "I know what your biggest business issue is." I know what it is. And, you know, people would be like, okay, what, you know, how would you know what my biggest business issue is? And he would, every time he would say it's communication. And it was every time he'd be right. Every time he'd be right. And to be honest, it was kind of the way he did it was a little goofy. And I think sometimes people were, were um, kind of caught off guard, but if you think hard about it, I think he was on to something. <laughs> so, oh, I, I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's, you can have the greatest idea in the world, and if you can't communicate it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. the greatest idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read something similar the other day where somebody was saying about, um, you know, the greatest um, ideas with zero, like it. it just it's worth absolutely nothing zero just full stop until action is taken yes so your great ideas blow them off who cares which Mm -hmm. ones are you taking action on because at that point they're valuable Mm -hmm. um your your friend um I, i i recently read a book and um she would be um in this culture although he has left greg hoffman emotion by design and Mm. he was um nike's lead on um design culture yeah oh okay great book great book yeah um yeah it's uh 
he designed he he joined them as a um marketer person and when you read what he or understand what he put together in this um for nike or with nike i'd say with because he grew with nike um Mm -hmm. it's a great read and it'd be a great read for most architects as well or any creative just because he's um he broke down a lot of barriers to do what he did and he created something really special. And we were, you were all, anybody who goes and reads the book will identify with uh, parts of the story um, because it's part of our culture that we've all grown up with. That's great. I'll check Mm. it out. Yeah. She was, she will be living it within that culture that he left behind um, because he joined Nike in 92 as an intern. Yeah. So, but a great read, really good read. Mm. And Emotion by Design says everything in its title to what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Feelings. Feelings. There's a song like that. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't wait for our next chat. And thank you so much for like giving so much of yourself with this. And whilst we diversified into stories and wandered off into pieces of it, I think it was really valuable that for people listening to go down some of these stories and see themselves or see people they know in them and then see how that they can um, find the right fit and how they can get joy out of the architectural process um, that could bring them joy long after the architect's gone and generational joy as well, quite often. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. You know, I love chatting with you <laughs> and talking about all our stories. And, um, you know, yeah. more than ever, I I appreciate architecture and design. And I feel really grateful to be able to talk about it um, with you and, and all our members. So I, thank you for talking to me. I likewise think, and, and thank you, but especially thank you because you bring something to this industry that is so valuable and being able to bring that, integrate that business part of understanding into it, into an industry that does sort of wander, I think. Um, I was not saying, going to say aimlessly, but wanders, it, it, it's not cohesive. It doesn't have a clear path and mm-hmm. it's so scattered um and it is all these little small firms doing so many of them doing such amazing things thank you go and have a beautiful evening thank you you as well (laughs) we will talk soon okay bye cheers hon bye richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute clean simple sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. 
It's almost like, imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.